When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and pilots, and from traveling around the world. I just got back from a quick trip to Hawaii. I am contemplating, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it, uh, I am contemplating moving to Honolulu. Um, I really like where I live now. Uh, I live at the beach, but I work in one state and I live in another state and nobody likes commuting. Um, my commute's short. The flight is short, but because you have to give yourself backups because I fly standby, it takes me like minimum six hours to get to work, minimum five hours to get home. And I do this like five times a month. So you're talking over like 60 hours a month of getting to and from work. And you know, this takes away from my podcasting time or working on a book. And uh, we now have a base in Honolulu. And so I could live at the beach still, but actually work <laughs> in the same area that I live. And uh, the problem with this, though, is Hawaii is expensive. So I just flew there to make sure that I could afford to live there. I mean, I'm going to probably have to such a big decision because I'm gonna have to live in a small place like I'll probably have to live in a studio apartment uh, or studio condo um, under 600 square feet so anyway I don't know I don't know if I'm moving but I got a couple stories in this episode about Hawaii <laughs> and then a lot of funny stories from the airplane so let's just get on with the show Senior flight attendant. He's a very smart man. He spoke like six or seven languages. 
I spoke Spanish with him all the time. He spoke very well. But uh, one, uh, one flight coming back from Buenos Aires to New York, uh, apparently the menu in first class was not very appealing to this Argentine passenger who was just looking it over and had all this kind of... He was upset about the menu. Didn't, you know. And Bob was just standing there waiting for his order, and he didn't realize it, but he, he had to just reach quickly behind him and scratch his butt <laughs> as he's waiting while the Argentine passenger looked at him and, and with very heavy Argentine uh, accent said, Che, pero que tiene hemorroides. You know, I mean, what is this? You have hemorrhoids? Uh, and, uh, and Bob just simply looked at him and said, If it's not on the menu, we don't have it. <laughs> you know, it's a good trip when you're still telling stories about it like eight months later. So my trip to Madagascar last November, I was transiting through this rather industrial town. It wasn't a tourist town called Tamativ, and I had went in this place to get something to eat. It was a bar, restaurant, and I'd been staying at hotels that didn't have electricity or only had electricity like two hours a day, and they certainly didn't have the internet. So, you know, when you're gone for a couple weeks, you need to check in every once in a while. So I was in this restaurant and I saw a sign that said Wi-Fi and I was all excited. I thought, oh gosh, I could finally, you know, check my email, tell people I'm alive, whatever. And uh, I said to the I think he was the manager. I, I, I was trying to get on the internet. And I'm like, do you need a code for the Wi-Fi? And he was like, the what? And he spoke English. So I was excited about that. I'm like, do I need a code for the Wi-Fi? And he's like, do you need a code for what? And I finally went over and pointed to the sign. I'm like, it says that you have Wi-Fi. And he said, oh, Wi-Fi. <laughs> and you know what? If you look at it, it could be pronounced Wi-Fi. But we call it Wi-Fi, and apparently in Madagascar, it's called Wi-Fi. <laughs> so much so that he had no idea what I was saying Wi-Fi. So I'm like, um, yes, do I need a code for the Wi-Fi? I like the 727. There's lots of stories on that and the 1011. Okay, and... Uh And uh, we're flying the flight, and I can't remember where it was, but we were coming in, com coming into Atlanta, and we had this, and uh, so we got the we got the first call up in the cockpit. Said, "Hey, we got this lady in the back of the airplane. She's she's acting a little weird. She's just not she's just not all there." And sure enough, this she's not she's she doesn't she's not dangerous, but she's kind of not just not acting quite right she's up and up walking around in the aisles they're you know the flight attendants are trying to tell her to sit down you know and and fasten her seatbelt. she doesn't just doesn't want to quite comply with with all the rules and everything but she doesn't seem dangerous so we're we're pressing on to atlanta and we're going to get a red coat there to to meet the flight to to figure out what's going on with this lady so we get we, we land in atlanta and everybody's up there in the front and we're waiting for this lady to get off the airplane you know to, to identify her to the red coat and she's not coming up she's not coming up and just about the whole airplane's empty so he said okay we better go and we better go in the back of the airplane to, to find out what happened to this lady and she's nowhere to be found nowhere to be found. and there's like there's like one one more passenger left on the airplane and said hey 
they, they said, did you see that lady? What, what happened to her? And he points up at the closed overhead bin. <laughs> Op- open up the overhead bin. There she is lying up, lying up in the overhead bin. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, L-1011? I was on the L-1011. I'm at the L-3 door working that back cabin. It's to the Caribbean, to Puerto Rico. The lady taps me on the shoulder and says I have to go to the bathroom. Well, I was just two aisles from the, from the exit at the L-3 to let her by. And I turned to her and I said, just one minute, ma'am, and, I, and, I, and let me finish and I'll let you by. As soon as I turn around, I felt something wet hits me in the back of my neck. I turn around and she's up chucking all over. Oh. It was like the exorcist. The stuff was flying. She fell on the floor. It's going down the back of my oh. neck. I push the cart over. I grab her and myself. We go to the bathroom. She cleans herself off. I had to change shirts and wash myself with club soda. She felt so embarrassed. You know, she goes back to her seat. Well, when I get back to the L3 door, I notice these ladies with buffant hairdos the stuff had flown and hit into their hair and was hanging there like dingle balls. And they know it? They did not know a thing and I didn't tell them a word. Because they all were wearing real nice puffed up hairdos for their cruises. And I wasn't about to tell them what was dangling off of their hairdos. <laughs> I just acted nonchalant like nothing had happened. So because I was flying standby to get to Honolulu to look at property, um, it took me like 24 hours to get there. (laughs) I kept not getting on flights. Uh, It's the very unglamorous part of standby travel. But I don't talk about that often. But uh, I didn't get on in Atlanta. I flew to Salt Lake. I didn't get on in Salt Lake. So I flew to LA. (laughs) And actually on the flight from Salt Lake to Los Angeles, I got... um, I got to sit in first class. It was a short, a short flight. Still nice. <clears throat> the rest of the time, you know, I was smushed in coach in the middle seat. But I'm sitting in first class. And sometimes when you're sitting in first class, you sit next to a very interesting person. I mean, sometimes people want to talk. Some people, they don't want to talk. And I'm sitting next to this blonde woman. And she seemed very friendly. And we just started talking. And I was saying what I was doing. And I asked her why she was flying to LA and she was saying she was going to visit a friend and the friend had a house in Pacific Palisades and in Malibu and um she didn't say who the friend was for a while and then midway through the flight she mentions that the friend she's going to visit is Stevie Nicks Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac and she was going to the concert and she has been best friends with Stevie Nicks since she was 7 years old Stevie Nicks apparently lived in Salt Lake when she was a child, and that's how they met. And this woman was just wonderful. And it was real interesting for me to talk to her because I she was telling stories about Stevie Nicks and that kind of life and all the things they'd done together. And for me, it's always nice to hear about somebody else's world, like a world that I don't know anything about. And I don't know anything about, you know, a rock star's world. <laughs> And we were having just a really nice conversation. And she was saying how she was going to stay with her. And um, she was going to stay in her condo. She has a house. She has a condo. But she was going to stay in the condo. And I sometimes ask strange questions, like some things that just pop into my mind. And I was thinking, huh, she's going to stay with Stevie Nicks. Like, what, you know, does Stevie Nicks 
cook? So I asked what I asked her. I said, does Stevie cook? And she just busted out laughing. <laughs> Apparently, that's very far from a Stevie Nicks thing to do is to cook. <laughs> And she said, I am going to tell Stevie that the woman sitting next to me on the plane asked me if you cook. (laughs) And I thought to myself, how fun is this? What kind of a world is it that somebody's going to tell Stevie Nicks something I said? (laughs) It was just, it was just really fun. No, the agent, uh, uh, the immigration agent in, in Cincinnati took my alien card and he chopped it right in half with a pair of scissors. Why? Before I could just do anything about it, I was about to say, wait a minute. He just cut it right in half and I said, well, what's, what, what's the problem? He said, doesn't look like you anymore. And I said, well, I, I need to work. I need to go back out of the country. He goes, that's your problem. And he handed me the two parts of my... He just cut it? He cut it in half, yeah. So then I, I had to go back to work, so I had... I actually entered the country with uh, my cart, uh, my two parts of my <laughs> cart. <laughs> I would hand over to the agent the cart cut in half, and this is everyone is perplexed looking at it. So uh, you have a good uh, story for this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there better be a good story behind this, <laughs> you know, because they didn't have nerd anybody cutting a, a cart in half. Did, did you do something to make the agent no. bad? No, he just it's just one of those. You just never know. So. The luck, the, the, the of the drawer, you know. Did you we tape it together? Like didn't nerd? tape it together. I would just hand the two parts yeah. of my cart. Like nerd glasses. <laughs> <and> nerd <laughs> <have to tape. laughs> well, as it turns out, one of the guys that I had uh, given the cart to before, he uh, saw me on, online waiting because aliens had to go to a different line than the rest of the crew. So uh, uh, he sees me waiting there from one of the lines. He called me from far away. All right, over here. Kind of. Yeah. He remember my name because not too many people hand two parts of a yeah. card. <laughs> and, and he handed me a manila envelope and he said, I've signed everywhere I had to sign. Now you have to sign. Now you have to do your part. And that's how I became a U.S. citizen. Really? He, yeah, he has sponsored me to become a U.S. citizen. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was, done, it was fast. Faster than I thought. That is a great story. Yeah. So you had a mean person and a nice person. Yeah. Then I had an interview, uh, which was really interesting for becoming a U.S. citizen, which was, uh, you know, the, the the man who was giving me the interview just said, well, you are, uh, you've been here a long time. What, what took you so long? And I said, well, uh, you know, I had to really be sure. I had to really think about it. And it was 20 years. <laughs> 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 22 years? Uh, well, you know, I, I procrastinate a lot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because, well, I, I guess we could skip all of those questions about George Washington. And, uh, I said, you know, George Washington was a really interesting member. You know who I really thought was interesting was Lawrence Washington. And he said to me, Lawrence? Who is Lawrence Washington? I said, George's brother. He goes, I didn't know he had a brother. <laughs> and and I was, he asked me to be the the, the uh, note speaker really? at the ceremony for given you know for swearing in ceremony. Did you do it? So in my head, I immediately imagined standing in front of like fifteen Chinese and you know, Asians and 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 you know saying something. And I said, "Thank you. I'll be flattered to you know I'll be privileged to do that." And uh, he goes, "Great." I said, "Well, what would I say?" He goes, "Well, just say what made you want to become a U.S. or come to the U.S. to begin with." 
okay, well, that's that's perfect. I'll do that. Well, little did I know when I when the swearing ceremony arrives, it's a, it's like it's a huge auditorium say, with with people. hundreds of people, <laughs> and in the back of the stage is a huge U.S. flag, and I feel like the beginning of that movie George Patton when he stands in yeah. front of this huge flag and he just gives out a speech. You know, of course now I. I have no idea. I start choking. You, you know, get to your king's speech. I, I start <laughs> choking. And, uh, you know, I hadn't prepared anything. You didn't? No, because I didn't think it was going to be like this. I had no idea. I know it was, it was only so many, hundreds of people. And so um, I get up there and, boy, I, I am just, you know, I'm used to making a lot of announcements on the plane and so on. but. Uh, but that uh, was different that day. What did you say? Well, what came to my mind was just when he said, "Well, what made you want to come to the United States?" And when I was, uh, let's see, I was, uh, let's see, that was in was nine years old when uh, the first U.S. president ever visited Colombia. Oh. That was JFK, and uh, and I remember uh, seeing his. Uh, this car passing by very near us, you know, my, my parents said, wow, everybody's going to go and watch the President of the United States drive by. So everybody had to go there and see it. And at some point, my mom said, wave back, he's still waving at you. And, and sure enough, there was JFK with a big smile and he's waving. I, mean, I was just a little boy. And, um, and I waved back and I just, you know, I had a great, great smile and thought, you know what, I want to go to the United States. And, and that really was it from that from that point on. And I, so I thought about just saying that. That's, that was such a, a welcoming smile that I just thought, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to go to the United States, you know. And uh, it took a long time, but I made it. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know many Americans that get to wait. And then I said, now the thing is, and we when we leave here today, and we have to do the next thing, which is super important, it's vote. You have to get out there and vote because now you can make your presence count here. So that's the most important thing that happens here today. You know that you have a, a person who participate in, in in democracy. So you made a good speech. I did. It kind of saved the, the day at the end there, but it, it was iffy. Touch and go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was just on the duty-free cart. We're saying, you know, duty-free sales, duty-free shop. And this guy that I'm flying with, he was going, um, what were you saying? Gifts for your girlfriend. Gifts for your boyfriend. And then when they ignore me, I say, cheap, cheap. <laughs> he, was, he was going, cheap, cheap. <laughs> and nobody even noticed. <laughs> so I love to wander meander and I'm in London currently I'm actually sitting in a cemetery Cromwell Cemetery I just walked down a street I'd never been to before and then another street I'd never seen before and then saw a rather ornate fence and uh, I thought oh look it's an old cemetery and there's um there's gravestones from the 1800s 1700s what's interesting is they've just let the wildflowers and the weeds grow high so it's actually now created like a green space in the middle of the city. There's all kind of birds and squirrels. And I even saw, this is really crazy. I'm in the center of London. <laughs> I saw a fox. <laughs> and he actually like stood there and looked at me. 
the last thing, the last thing in the world I expected to see on a walk through the streets of London was a fox. <laughs> a fox in a cemetery. Half, half lift and Elevator. a full personnel lift and right next to it, next to it would be a half lift on, up on the was, upper that side. That was the 1011 that went into the penthouse. We did have a dumb waiter that came down to get your meals because we didn't have kitchen upstairs. We only had people on our 1011. So he completely okay. right there yeah. is a half so, lift. Okay. In any case, I'm standing there talking to a flight attendant I haven't seen in a very long time. It's a very dangerous okay. zone <laughs> up here. Very dangerous. <laughs> I haven't seen it in, in such a long time. And we're talking, and you know, where have you been? And all oh, that I'm talking, and uh, suddenly, whereas we're leaning there in the counter, the counter begins to move, and uh, it starts to come up slowly. I was rest I had my re elbow rested on the on the counter. Next thing he's like, are <laughs> like, hey, what's going on? And I started to like big pressure, put pressure on the counter to like put it down. And um, my friend decides to look to see through the gap what's happening. And I see he was standing next to me. He bends over to look in. And suddenly his eyes just go <laughs> wide open. And he, he's got this face totally like, my God. Well, at that very moment, all the trays that the flight attendant down below had put on top of the cart, not remembering that there was no clearance once the cart got onto the top, she had put all the containers of milk and orange juice on top of it. And all smushed. And the moment he kind of surprised, a surprise face, he the, the milk and orange juice went <laughs> And he was drenched in this face of orange juice and milk. I was completely soaked from the waist down because I, I hadn't leaned over. <laughs> and, and he was the flight attendant in charge. So he said, all right. Now we'll see about that, and he gets in the personnel lift because she said, "Oh, I've worked it before." Nobody, no, it's got to be somebody. He said in briefing, "It's got to be someone who's worked it before." And she said, "Oh, I've worked it before." <laughs> so he goes up there, orange. <laughs> so he gets in the personnel lift. Didn't even bother to clean the milk and orange juice that's dripping from his head and his eyes, and he is just so furious. I see, still see him closing that personnel lift. And through that little window, I see him disappear straight out. I just wish I had seen what went on down there. But she came up, and somebody else took over. <laughs> he kicked her out of there. <laughs> you are out of here. <laughs> You're out. So if you like the show and you want to support the show, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, I buy things on Amazon all the time, uh, if you click through my website, bettingthesky.com, I get a little commission. It helps support the show, uh, spreads the love. So if you're going to buy something on Amazon, please consider clicking through my site. You can even bookmark it so it won't take you hardly any time. It doesn't cost you any more, but it supports the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, a group from Dallas, they all ended up on the same line with the new bidding. So, they were all excited. They had a Boston layover. So, they all decided to bring nice clothes. They were going to go out. They were going to yeah. go for cocktails. They were going to go for dinner and have a really nice time. So, they go to their hotel. They get dressed. They go out for cocktails. They go out for dinner. They go out for late night cocktails and then they go back to the hotel and they've got they don't pick up till the next afternoon so they've got plenty of time well they get back to the hotel they go up to their rooms and they're all on the same floor none of their keys are working not any of them 
they can't get in their rooms. So while they're standing there discussing the fact that none of them can get into their rooms, this man gets off the elevator, he comes down, and he looks at them and he takes his uh, room card inserts it in the door and goes in and this girl plays and it says wait a minute you're, that's my room you can't go in there and so she just barges in and and he's like ma'am what are you talking about this is my room no this is my room where is my stuff what have you done with my things so she is furious so now they're all mad they all go marching down to the front desk and they said, none of us can get in our rooms, and there's a man up there in my room, my stuff is gone, and the, and the, the lady at the front desk says, well, what room are you in? She says, well, uh, I'm in room so-and-so. She said, you know, we're flight attendants, and this is our layover, and she said, flight attendants, she said, y'all don't stay at this hotel anymore. <laughs> well. This was the, uh, they had gone, they had had a little bit too much of cocktails and they went back to the ho hotel where the, they had laid over Used many, to. their old, old haunt. Well, unfortunately for them, nobody had a room key. The room keys did not have the name of the hotel on it. They had no idea <laughs> which hotel they had come from. So they, they told the lady at the front desk, you have to call do you have the number for for operations? And, no, ma'am, I sure don't. Of course not. Of course not. So they didn't know. They didn't have any numbers. So they ended up calling reservations, and they, they told the lady right off the bat, "Whatever you do, please do not hang up on us." So they finally were able to get in touch with the operations, and they found out which hotel they were to go to. So they got there, and the next day they said they get to the airport, and people are kind of, everybody's kind of lined up to see this crew come in. What a bunch of idiots they were. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in hotels on layovers and also when I'm traveling. And here in the United States, we've pretty much figured out uh, the shower curtain. A lot of hotels have that arcing shower curtain rod now. So the shower curtain kind of goes out and makes it seem like the shower is a little bigger. But in Europe, they still have the straight shower curtain rods. And also, because space is always um, a premium bathrooms can be small so you're in a small shower and this is the thing that really bugs me about shower curtains it's when they attack I hate when shower curtains attack what they do is as you're the water's coming in the shower the shower curtain just just slowly creeps closer and closer to your naked body and you know that it has been doing this to many other naked bodies <laughs> in the past. So here you have this plastic sheet that who has who knows what on it getting closer and closer and it always it starts touching you. And it's just I just want I just want to attack the shower curtain. I've tried all kind of things. Kind of wet down the shower curtain. I've tried to like put it back over a little bit of the tub or I've tried to point the shower nozzles so close to the wall so you can try to lean in and avoid the shower curtain attacking you. <laughs>
I know it's a privileged problem. You know, I'm traveling so much, I shouldn't complain, but I just hate, hate, hate attacking shower curtains. Oh, wait, were you saying that she just exploded? <laughs> well, she couldn't hold it in anymore. Whatever happened, it just. Uh, Suddenly, it uh, she had a tremendous bowel movement. What does that mean, flight attendant would let her out of her seat? Well, the good thing, the flight attendants working on that side were like saints. They helped her with, with everything. So it was like an eruption. But we were in the middle, it was like an eruption. But we were right in the middle of serving lunch. And so I, I asked this, you know, I'm walking down with a, with a meal cart offering pasta or chicken. And, and uh, I didn't quite get to the sort of the front of the smell of this, uh, you know, stench that quickly just took over the cabin. But um, I asked this man, this Italian man, I said, le piacerebbe il polo oppure la pasta? And he said to me, certo, lei sta scherzando, certo, he says, meaning, surely, you must be joking. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the smell. Oh my God. We had to stop the service. So he's like, no way, we can't, we can't serve lunch. We had to stop. So on this quick trip I took to Hawaii to look at renting or real estate, I was basically making sure I could afford to live there because everybody says how expensive it is. And uh, I was checking out the leeward side of the island, uh, which is the cheapest part of the island. And from looking online, it looked like I could afford a place there because um, it's, it's far from Honolulu and people who normally would need to work in Honolulu wouldn't want to drive that far. And everybody kept warning me, well, it's really local. And I was thinking, what's, is local bad? I, I don't know, is local a problem? So, you know, I had to go see for myself. And people talk about, you know, there's racism in Hawaii and it's, it's, well, compared to what we think of as racism, it's like reverse racism. They don't like white people. Um, they they call white people howlies. I mean, I've known all this a long time because I've I, I been going to Hawaii and different islands on layovers for a long time. Um, I've never run into it. Uh, I've, not, I've never run into anything but nice people. Um, but also people talk about people being snooty or rude in Paris. And I go to Paris all the time and I think that everybody there is so friendly and nice, and I have seen nothing but warmth from Hawaiians or Parisians. So I tend to not, you know, listen that much when people talk about how they're like, well, you're going to be in minority there, and they don't like white people. And I kind of think to myself, oh, poo, you know, oh, shush, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so I go to this side of the island where I think I can afford to live, and uh, it's really local. There aren't that many white people over there. And uh, I drove up almost all the way to the end, the road stops at one point. And I drove just about to the end of the road. And um, there were quite a few sort of deserted beaches. And I was getting out to look at them. And I got out to this one beach, I parked my rental car and I walk out there and there's nothing but local people, people swimming. And you, I, I did sort of feel out of place. And guess what? I'm I'm walking up. I'm just walking up to the beach. Just wanted to look at the beach. I didn't have a bathing suit on or anything. And the kids started chanting, Hallie, 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 Hallie. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess, I guess 
<laughs> I guess it is a problem here. But can you imagine, like, here, if a black person walked into a room or into the area and people went, black, 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 or um, Hispanic, Hispanic, Hispanic. I mean, I would have really seen anything like that. In a way, it sort of reminded me of when I was in Madagascar and they would call the lemurs and they'd go, mucky, 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 mucky. It was like, howly, 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 howly. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not going to that side of the island. <laughs> I rolled it out even though it's the most affordable. No, out of London. Out of London to uh, New Delhi. Of course, we had a lot of, um, you know, mainly all Indian passengers. And at the time, each tray had uh, a creamer and sugars. And yeah. Now we don't have that anymore, so we kind of offer that alone. But, but it made things easier to do us a, a drink service because you wouldn't buy with two pots, one with tea and one with coffee. And they already had creamers and sugars on their trays. You didn't have to do that. So uh, he is going around, tea or coffee, tea or coffee, and he's pouring. And um, uh, this uh, uh, passenger said to him, uh, he said, tea or coffee? And he said, yes. <laughs> and he said, uh, tea? Will that be tea or coffee? He said, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, he said, Yes, what? And this passenger looks at me and says, Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so he forgot the magic word. <laughs> he said, Oh, yes, please. <laughs> well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.